For hour number two, Terry Blunt with you in for Jason Puckett for today and tomorrow. But with me now, who will be on this program starting on Monday along with Jason Puckett for the new Cliff and Puck show is Cliff Averill. Cliff, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. No, nah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, it's just so exciting for us. We've been waiting for this for so long, for your show to start, and it's just been so much anticipation. And, you know, I've been telling people for weeks in here that, uh, you know, I've covered athletes for over three decades in, in every sport, at every level, and there's very few that I have respected more than you oh, uh, when I covered you and how, how good you were with the media, how helpful you were to us, and uh, how you always gave us thoughtful, thoughtful responses and we're just thrilled to have you now in here every day to be able to talk sports with us. Thanks, thanks, and I appreciate that. Um, I, I, you know, just being myself, but I guess it goes a long way. Well, it does. So, how'd you spend your fourth? Tell us how you spent the fourth. I actually flew in back to Seattle on Tuesday and got to watch the fireworks actually from one of my good friends and business partners building in Bellevue and got to like get the aerial view from the twenty second floor of all the fireworks. <laughs> awesome! And that was pretty cool. That was that was a great experience. I can't wait to do it next year with my. I kids. saw something in uh, I don't know some listing just. Uh, two days ago that they rated the top 10 places to watch fireworks in the world mm-hmm. and seattle was like number four really so they were way up That's there with, with new york and sydney and london and stuff like that mainly because the space needle and all that yeah, stuff yeah. so it is cool i did it one year out on a boat out on mm-hmm. the argosy cruise line and that was fun that was really? really fun so yeah it is a great place to watch it so i want to talk to you a little bit about the show and how you're excited about it what you think it's going to be like first thing you need to know about working with puckett okay <laughs> so if you're uh, trying to stay in any kind of playing shape, <laughs> that is not going to happen because Puckett is constantly bringing food in here. I mean, good food, like John Howie steaks. I was in here doing the show with him one day, and he brought in Jack's Barbecue. We were eating brisket all day. I mean, he's constantly bringing food in here. Zeke's Pizza, whatever it is. Yeah. The man will plug anything for food. Okay? So <laughs> just like get ready for that. You're going to have to, you're going to have to prepare your diet around all the food that Puckett brings in. I, pl- I plan on uh, continuing to work out, so I plan on working out actually before I get to the studio. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that would be the good balance right That'll there. That'll be great. So, but I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. What are you looking forward to about it? And, and uh, you know, how how do you think the show is going to go when you guys get started? Well, I, I obviously, you know, I want it to succeed, but I, I think big thing for me is just bringing my opinion, my point of view. Um, you know, just being in the locker room for so long, seeing the game from a different perspective from everyone else. Being on the sideline last year for, you know, 12 of the, the 16 games, just having that perspective and, and just being able to, uh, you know, share it with people and, and hopefully people like it. But not only that, though, I think for me, it's just a new chapter, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting a new chapter of my life. I'm playing football for 16, more than half, you know, uh, my life. So just I'm embracing this opportunity, I'm embracing, uh, you know, what, what we're trying to do here. And, and hopefully, again, people want to listen and, and, we have fun with it. Well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and you you can bring so much perspective that uh, we wouldn't get otherwise, without mm-hmm. question. And the the first one, of course, and I know you've been asked this a lot, but the first one, of course, is that there can't be another human being in the world who knows more about how Cam Chancellor feels today than you. Yeah, do. yes, yes, that's very true because we essentially have been going through the same thing for about the same length of time. I think I got hurt maybe. 
three weeks before him or something, four mm -hmm. weeks before him, and just going through the process and understanding, you know, emotionally what he's going through. And he's actually a little bit younger than me, but but just understanding, you know, where he's at mentally. And I've told him numerous times, like, hey, we got to depend on each other. We got to lean on each other to go through this process because it's a difficult process for both of us. Well, it really is. You know, it's one thing to, to go out when you, you know, you're 35 or 36 years old and you said, you know what, I'm done. Mm -hmm. That's it. But to have it forced because of a very, very unusual physical mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. It's got to be hard to accept when you know that you can still play at a really high level. Exactly, exactly. And that that was my battle for the longest is trying to understand, you know, that, that one, I'm fortunate enough to play 10 seasons, you know, and I've got to see so many different sides of the game from losing every game to Super Bowls, Pro Bowls, or whatever. So I think making the decision for me was probably a little bit easier than, say, Cam, because I have a family, I have kids, I have all these different things to go mm -hmm. home to. You know, it's, he just got married, so it's just him and his wife. So, you know, obviously football played a big role in his life. So making that decision is definitely very difficult. And again, you know, I think we just have to lean on each other. You know, the weirdest thing to me in both cases is they were plays that just, you just would have that never. That we've done a thousand times. Yeah, you just would have <laughs> never thought it. When, and yeah. when you watched them, you thought, oh, you know, that's no big deal. Yeah. And to have it end up being a, a career-ending thing is yeah. just so, you know, it's like being hit with a falling star or something. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, and I think about that all the time. Is like, man, I've made that play a thousand times throughout my career, mm -hmm. and it's just a freak accident. You know, just you know, a heel is coming up, and I'm going down, and it just – Hit perfectly, you know, and the yeah. same thing with Cam, a play I've seen him do a gazillion times since I've been with the Seahawks. And, uh, you know, it just uh, over time, your body wears down. You know, Cliff, today players are so big and so fast oh, and man. so strong. You know, I make comparisons to the uh, – I, I actually did a story on this a long time ago, and that was comparing the linemen mm -hmm. that played in the very first Super Bowl for the Green Bay <laughs> Packers compared to the linemen today. Nah, the yeah. biggest lineman, starting lineman for the Green Bay Packers was Forrest Gregg at 251 pounds. <laughs> 251 pounds. And yeah. the other ones like, you know, Jerry Kramer, for example, you know, a Hall of Fame guard, a great player. He was like 235 pounds yeah, playing would, offensive guard. That would not last in this league. Yeah, so days. now you have these guys that are a hundred pounds Heavy. bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And not only that, a lot of them, even faster. though they're bigger, are faster. <laughs> yes. I mean, when it's, you, it, it's really incredible that it hasn't happened more mm. when you think about it, how much bigger, faster, and stronger guys are. So I, I've realized that, again, being on the sideline last year, I, I, I literally would say probably every game that – I'm watching these guys play and I'm sitting here. I'm like, wow, I did this for 10 years. These guys are, I mean, <laughs> these guys are huge and, and fast. So the collisions that much, you know, harder or whatnot. And, and, you know, it's just interesting. Um, you know, but guys are getting bigger. Guys are getting faster. But I also think guys are getting smarter too on how mm -hmm. they're playing the game as well. So I think that's kind of what's helping guys actually be able to play the game for a long time i know they have this rule this year and, and pete has already told us during otas and during minicamp how concerned he is about it that it's all you know it's always been recently where you can't lead with your head and that mm -hmm, kind of stuff mm -hmm. but now they're talking about calling that on everybody in any situation including linemen you know which is yeah. to me is going to be difficult how do you do that doesn't that happen on every play every single play your your, your head is getting hit some kind of way accidentally get hit you know in the face with uh you know their hands and whatnot so it, it's going to be interesting and then how do you pay attention to it do you add more refs to the field you know what i mean because yeah. uh, it's only so much a ref can see so much the umpire can see so how do they how are they really going to gauge that i don't i mean i think they're just testing it out to see if they can but 
I think it's pretty much impossible. Yeah, I, I kind of th- thought it might be something like during the preseason they'll make a couple of calls yeah. on an offensive lineman just to kind of get their attention yeah. and hope they don't have to call it when yeah. the regular season goes on. But it's yeah, it's like you, you couldn't possibly do it, I don't think. But he is – Pete's really concerned. I've never seen him do this. During OTAs, he came up to me, came up to Bob Condota, came up to Greg Bell, and he all said, I want you to watch what we're doing with all our linemen because of this new rule we're making sure – that every single time when the ball snapped, their head is up every single time, and that's interesting. you know it's it's that's he said some of these guys, especially the young guys, yes. have never done it. No, I mean, that, I mean that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, your technique changes dramatic, uh, dramatically mm-hmm. um, from the standpoint of uh, especially in the run game because in the passing game you don't necessarily need to use your face or your, your helmet or anything, but in the run game, I mean, you lead with your head everywhere you go. You know, so trying to get your head out of it and 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 trying to block. Von Miller or something like that. Yeah. Good luck. You know that that's going to be very difficult. Well, the game is certainly changing. There's no no doubt about that, and and hopefully for the better. Mm. But uh, you know we've seen in recent years some guys opt to surprisingly retire mm-hmm. early in their careers mm-hmm. because they they felt the risk was too high. I mean, yeah. do you think we'll see more of that going forward? It depends on the guy's situation, honestly. So I actually just talked to Calvin Johnson recently about about mm-hmm. him retiring early or whatnot. And and someone like Calvin, you know, he had twenty million dollars left on the table and he still turned his back to it. Like that's very impressive for for a mm-hmm. player to be able to do. But he's also someone that generated a lot of money through his career. So if you're a guy that's borderline, I don't see most of those guys really trying to you know leave early. But yeah. if you're someone like Marshawn, myself, or someone that's played a, a decent amount of time and made some money, I could definitely see guys leaving the game early um, as, as they understand what it's doing to their bodies. Yeah, it definitely depends on where you are. If you got, if you've gotten that second contract yes. or not, and that kind of thing, and going into the third contract, we're going to talk a lot to Cliff today about the Seahawks about all their situation going forward maybe what he thinks is going to happen with earl what he sees in their young defensive lineman you know a lot of things about mm-hmm. them going forward and i'm also going to talk to cliff about this cool thing he was a part of called the gold rush rally which i think is just going to be a blast <laughs> to talk about i want to know what kind of car he had how fast he drove how many would these guys have a immunity from speeding tickets <laughs> i mean all kind of cool stuff like that is coming up we've got a whole hour in studio with cliff Keep your text coming in, by the way, on what you think the next crazy thing LeVar Ball will say. We have got some great stuff on this. You guys are really coming through. And what are they winning, Jackson? I forgot. Yeah, we'll give them a 20 bucks to the Other Coast Cafe. 20 bucks to the cafe. That is going to be so cool. Keep them coming in. we got some great ones to read that are going to be really funny. Stick with us on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hey. Broadcasting live here in downtown Seattle, Seattle's original diehard sports station, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. Hey everybody, Terry Blunt back with you. Cliff Averill joining me in the studio for this hour. You guys are bringing it on this Lavar Ball question. We asked you, what is the next crazy thing? LeVar Ball does, and Jackson, in a generous mood, said he would give a $20 gift certificate to the Other Coast Cafe, which is really cool. If we're, And there's going to be some tough choices here. Uh, I don't know. This may be my favorite so far. Here's the next crazy thing LeVar will say. 74 hot dogs. Weak. I could eat 
80 foot longs and still be able to whip Jordan's butt. That's the exact one I was just staring at as my favorite. Oh my gosh, so, that one's that's, good luck being that's that. a great one there. And uh, okay, <laughs> uh, the next crazy thing he said. They had to fake the moon landing. If LeVar wasn't going to be there, what's the point Are paying to go? That's not actually a VAR statement, but oh my God, they're everywhere. So here's the, from the 425, LeVar Ball. I'll play LeBron one-on-one right now, and my son will win. That's the way I coached him. So, uh, okay. Yeah, we got that one. Oh, there's just a million here. Oh, oh here's one. Two, five, three. The Lakers only signed James as a trading piece to get better supporting players for Lonzo's Hall of Fame career. Wow. There you go. Oh, there was, there's so many good ones in here. It just goes on and on and on, and uh, we'll get to more of them later. Here's, here's oh, there's, i got to get this one. This is another one of my favorites, and that is uh, LeVar's next crazy thing to say is the next thing LeVar Ball will say is that LeBron James has left Nike to join a real shoe company, the Big Ballers. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Oh, here's one, LeVar Ball. From the four, 253, I'm founding my own nation so that my family can win gold medals under the new nation, Big Bolenstan. Okay. Uh, they're everywhere. We appreciate it. Keep getting them in. You can win a $20 gift certificate to the Other Coast Cafe. We've got Cliff Averill in with us for this hour. His new show with Jason Puckett starts Monday the 9th. It will be Cliff and Puck. It's going to be a fun show. i got to ask you, Cliff, though, you were involved in this really cool thing over the last couple of weeks called the Gold Rush Rallies yeah. with some of the world's greatest automobiles. Yes. So tell us a little bit about it. First, tell us the car you were driving. <laughs> uh, I drove a, a McLaren 720S, um, probably one of the baddest cars that was out wow. there. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that's really cool. So you start in Boston, you start yeah. in Boston right End in Vegas. Yes. So where do you where'd you kind of go in between? So yeah, we started in Boston, ended in Vegas, ten days, ten different cities. Uh we went from Boston to New York, Pittsburgh, Detroit, St. Wow. Louis, uh, Albuquerque, Dallas, and there's one more city in there somewhere, Scottsdale or something like that. But um, it was a great experience, man. You get to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds that are, you know, doing well. So it was real good for networking. But also, mm-hmm. if you're a car, if you're into cars, you're a car enthusiast, it's like the ultimate, you know, car club type of thing to be sure. a, a part of. I mean, people are driving Lambos, Ferraris, uh, oh, McLarens. I mean, some, <laughs> some, a couple of people had Bugattis, Paganis, so uh. million dollar cars out there. And they're actually putting miles on it, which is a lot different. Yeah, from, pretty rare, right? Yeah, exactly. No, most people don't want to put miles on those cars, but <laughs> these guys are driving it, you know, 4,000 miles all in 10 days. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. It was, it was a real great experience. So be honest. Did you get to drop the hammer during the, any time during the, during the thing? Got a couple straightaways and, and we, we, we got on it a little bit. Um, you know, but it's all about being safe. Yeah, that's right. There you go. So, but how cool is that? And yeah. then so you get to Vegas and then is there some kind of thing that happens when, when it's over? Yes. So they shut down, um, Vegas Boulevard or whatever the main, mm-hmm. yeah, Las Vegas Boulevard. Uh, Las Vegas, they shut it down for us basically and it became a big, huge car show basically. I mean, thousands and thousands of people lined up just to watch us ride by um you know get police escort and yeah. all that good stuff so it was, it was it was a great time i mean every night you're in a different city again you get to meet some different people party a little bit but um it, it was just a fun great experience that's really cool about how many cars are involved in it it's about 100 cars involved wow. uh, um you know in the, the midway so some people do half of it which i believe 
ended in Memphis and some people did the whole thing. So, you know, maybe 10 cars fell off in Memphis and then 10 more cars or 15 more cars mm-hmm. joined in Memphis as well. Oh, okay. As quite, it was actually two or three people from Bellevue actually uh, on the rally no as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Driving Lambos. And Bill Gates like didn't that. have a car out there? No, Bill Gates didn't <laughs> join us. He, he didn't join us this year. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh. So now it's, this isn't just all interstates. You guys take some pretty cool routes, right? Yes, yes. We take uh, some scenic routes. I mean, the, I mean, America in general, there's so much land that's untapped out there that, mm-hmm. that, you know, unless you're driving, you'll, you won't get to see it. And it's so beautiful out there. And I'm not even an outdoors person or I'm not <laughs> even into that stuff, but yeah. it's so beautiful just driving through the mountains and taking some of these scenic routes of, of, you know, you might see waterfalls, you see, uh, you know, big dams and, mm-hmm. and, and different, just all types of different stuff that you would see in a book and you actually get to see it in person. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I know I was in Cannon Lake, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I went there for, for a few days and I'd all, I mean, Cannon Beach, I'm sorry. And I'd never been there before and always heard about it and seen pictures of it, but it's way different to see pictures of it yeah. than be there in person it's like a, a building you know a hundred yards out in the ocean mm-hmm. there and it was just so much fun to see and so breathtaking and i didn't know until we got there that at low tide you can actually walk all mm-hmm. the way out to the rock and stand there next to it and get pictures taken and all that which we did so it was really a lot of fun but there's there's so many places like that in this country you know grand canyon and yeah. things like that and in yellowstone park and on and on and on where people haven't have heard about but haven't been yeah. going and seeing it in person it's a different ball yeah. game it's, it's, it's a lot it's, it's awesome to see i mean even um one of the days we had a, a track day at, at uh indy speedway actually and they actually shut the track down they ne- usually never let anybody on the tracks and they let us actually take a couple laps in our cars mm-hmm. on the track with uh kurt bush and um you know that experience in itself i mean i didn't i'm not into nascar like that but to be in that in in that stadium or is that what they're called a stadium well yeah, whatever yes. they call but it sits 200,000 people yeah and that's impressive like it is. you know like a football i mean you get 60,000 this is 200,000 people on a sunday that's that's pretty impressive so uh just all those type of experiences are are amazing to me tell me just a little bit about your car like this is the <laughs> this is the top of the line folks we're talking about mclaren here yeah yeah we're talking about formula 1 greatness so uh yeah yeah no uh so i had a, a mclaren 720 it's actually my first one Typically, I can't fit in most sports cars, so once right. I found out I could fit in that one, I, I, I went ahead and got it. And then everybody kind of has their own theme to their cars, so mine was the Black Panther theme. My kids picked it out. Awesome. Yeah, so, uh, you know, had the Black Panther rap and had their names <laughs> and engraved in it oh, and all cool. kinds of stuff. So I thought I should have won the Best Rap Award, but we'll talk about that in another There you day. go. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's an awesome car. Like I said, it's probably one of the fastest cars on the, uh, on the streets right now, and, yeah. and, and that's stock, you know, and Lamborghini. Guineas can't even mess with it. So unbelievable! It's it's a it's an awesome car. Unbelievable. Well, it had to be a lot of fun. It's a really cool thing to get to do. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Seahawks and what's yeah. going on going forward. Uh, obviously, they have some decisions to make. The biggest one that I know you've been asked about is what you think uh, will happen with Earl Thomas. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, he wants a new contract. He's mm-hmm. in the last year of a four-year deal. Uh, does he get it? Uh, does he hold out? Does he show up disgruntled? Do they trade him? I mean, <laughs> no one really seems to have a feel for what's going to happen. You know, usually you say, yeah, this is going on, but here's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I honestly can't say that I know exactly what no, might happen. No one knows what's going to happen. I mean, you know, with what happened this offseason with the team in general, right, with all yeah. these different pieces moving around and, and getting released and uh, injuries. So, you know, there is no 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 one knows what the, the typical Seahawks would do because – 
you know th that situation in itself but as far as for earl i i truly believe they they should definitely bring him back you know there's no point of well one earl is probably the best safety to come through a seahawks uh, yeah. uh locker room and probably one of the best safeties in the league right now so why would you deal that card away you know I, I that makes no sense to me and i also think the best thing to do by him is to give him a new deal one he's still under the age of 30 and you know as a player and from my experience you play a lot more you play a lot better because you're free you don't have the the pressure of trying to stay healthy through a contract year right so if he goes out he's able to go out there and play freely out there go out go out there and play fast and make the plays he needs to make uh with a new deal if 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 not you know sometimes guys are a little timid and it's subconsciously you you're just that way because you don't want to get hurt for the next year so in order for this team to be good to be great they have to keep Earl I believe yeah, it's a tough decision for them. Obviously, it's going to be a big contract. He's going to want to be be paid mm -hmm. as high as any safety in the league, and he deserves to be. He's the for best sure. free safety in the league. So uh, whatever happens there, they have to decide, can we spend this money looking down the road? Mm -hmm. And he's just he is a, an incredible player. I've never seen a guy practice as hard as Earl does. Every single day. <laughs> just unbelievable. He's just focused. I mean, practice is literally like a game for him. Uh, yeah, there, there's no difference between practice and games for him. He's... He's in tune with everything, even through walkthroughs. Sometimes I have to look back at Earl like, look, this is a walkthrough right <laughs> Chill now, out. bro. Let's relax. But that's who he is. That's what makes him so great. So, uh, again, I think the best thing is for to keep him, keep him happy and keep him around. Well, he certainly could make, you know, they're obviously going to have a lot a, a lot of young players now, mm -hmm. and a lot, especially on defense, a lot younger players. He certainly could help those guys, for you sure. know, guys that are going to have to play more, guys like Tedrick Thompson, guys mm -hmm. like, you know, Delano Hill, mm -hmm. guys like these guys that are going to have to play more, and if he's around, he could help them. So. For sure, and and gives them an example and, and gives them something to look up to as well. You know, for a young player, especially with Earl and how he – he approaches the game that gives those younger players something okay this is how i need to act or this is what i need to do to be able to be great like him you know if you take that away from the locker room then they're just out there by themselves trying to figure it out you, i think you should always keep a, a veteran player in the locker room you know here's here the way i feel about it is if they're going to keep him then go ahead and get it done. Yes. Don't go through training camp and have him either not show up yep. or be disgruntled or whatever either you know either Cut bait or yeah. go ahead and get it done. Well, I, I think it's too late in the offseason to try to trade him, personally, because I, I, I don't recall too many people ever getting traded at this point in the offseason. And then, like you said, have him come in and, and just be ready to, to win games. Don't don't necessarily have him worried about the contract or not showing up to camp, and now there's more stuff you have to deal with with the media and different things like that. So, so the best thing is to hopefully get it done. Get him happy. Let him go out there and ball out. Let's talk a little bit about some of their new players and some of the young players. Obviously, the biggest story for them, uh, the rookie coming in, the guy that's the feel-good story for everyone yeah. is Shaquem Griffin. Griffin. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing guy, uh, not only a talented athlete, but su but such a great kid. And tell me what you think about him. I mean, there's those who think, uh, yeah, it's a great story and all that, but can he really play with his disability, and there's others to say, and I've watched quite a few of his games at Central Florida. The dude can play. He can flat out ball. Um, <laughs> I I don't I think that's unfair for people to kind of question him because he showed what he can do. Um, people are worried about you know O'Lyman getting their hands on him and and him not being able to get get him off or whatnot. But this kid is so quick; <laughs> it's hard for them to get their hands on him. Yeah. That's what he's going to use uh, to 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 stay off these guys. So. 
you know, I think I think he's going to do great things. Uh, and then pairing him back up with his brother and and those guys having you know they're they're them being in sync with each other, I think is going to make the team a lot better. They're going to go out and and tear this league up. I've really been impressed with the late relationship those two guys have. Yes, they're they're so incredibly close, and I think Shaquille's going to be better. Mm. Uh, because he's there, because he's just happy to have his brother back with him. For he said sure. it was so weird last year for the first time, basically, in, in their career. lives, yeah. Yeah. they weren't together. And he said, you know, now we're back together. He said, well, I lost a, a lot of room in my house, but he said, that's okay. <laughs> he said, but they're back together. I think they can help each other. For and, sure. you know, Shaquille's going to the other side now and playing where Richard was, mm-hmm. and he says he's fine with that. And yeah. He's, you know, a very talented young man, but hopefully they can make each other better and and really you know rise each other's play raise each other's play i truly believe they will because as you said right they this is last year was their first year not playing with each other and yet they still both had good good years but now when they come together and then with Shaq already being in the league and understanding a little bit how the league is he can bring his brother up to speed and those guys can go out there and dominate and I think they will you know I watched Shaquem in the combine and my gosh there's nothing the guy couldn't do (laughs) I mean people said he wouldn't bench press you know and he did not only did he do it but he did it really well yes he did and then he goes out in the drills they do where you're backpedaling and and try to catch the ball as they throw it to you like intercept he didn't miss a single ball he can play ball he's just you it's it's something that he's always known and it just doesn't really affect him uh it doesn't affect his ability to catch the ball it doesn't nope. affect the ability to get off of tacklers i mean get off of blockers and uh you know he's, i expect big be things great. from it he's gonna be great i think it's more so the naysayers that are saying you know because they've never seen it but yeah. he's been doing it pretty much his whole life and it's gotten him this far and i think he'll continue to Well, let's talk about what may be the biggest question mark for them going into this season, and that is the defensive line. (laughs) You know, with you gone, with Bennett gone, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a gigantic change. Gigant Richardson now has moved on. Uh, They have some really good young players, Frank Clark, you know, Nazir Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Jaron Reed, all guys that are, I think are outstanding young athletes. Mm-hmm. But can they, can they work together and, and be a kind of defensive line that can even come close to what you guys were during the Super Bowl years where you were so, so dominant? What do they have to do? They have to grow up fast. <laughs> they have to grow up fast. They have to, they have to understand the game a little more. And, and I, I truly believe, again, like I said earlier about Earl being in the room as a veteran, they need some kind of veteran leadership. Now, Frank, I believe, can definitely be that guy because um, he's had myself and Mike B since he's been in the league, and he's been putting up real good, great numbers, really, uh, over the last few years. I think he can be that guy, but he also has to grow up a little more and bring those guys along with him. Um, but they have the potential. I mean, Jaron Reed, uh, Nas Jones, uh, Frank, all those guys. Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan is the sleeper, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had spurts last year where you're like, oh, I see why he was a first round draft yeah. pick. You know, uh, only if he could stay healthy. But the thing I like about Deion as well is he listens. I remember during a game last year, I'm like, I'm like, bro, you're so close. You got to, you know, drop your hips and turn and, and reach with your outside hand. Next play, he does it. Sack fumble. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm, and he came back to me like, you're right, <laughs> bro. You were. 
So, so I think he had him and Frank are definitely going to have to be the leaders of the team. But Dion doesn't necessarily say much, so he'll lead by example, and Frank needs to do both. But they have the potential to to do some great things. It's just all about making it happen. It's really to me like Frank has played so well, but it's different doing it when he has you out there yeah, and when he has yeah. Michael Bennett out there yeah. and doing it now as the as the the number one guy. Yeah, and not only that, but like you say, being the guy that the other guys can talk to. Yeah and get help when they need it and that kind of thing exactly exactly uh, um you know and we used to tell frank that as well you know because mike and i we would get the 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 double teams and the line sliding to us we're like you got to take full advantage of this now he's the main guy so he's going to get the double teams he's going to get the chip blocks exactly so how does he you know this is when he really has to take his game to another level as a pass rusher and understanding what he's going to get and also the other guys have to help out too. And they have some veteran guys coming in that they got the two guys from Minnesota, yeah. Tom Johnson and mm-hmm. Shamar Steven, uh, who are veteran tackles that, mm-hmm. you know, can, can play pretty well. That, that should help fill that gap a little bit of what they lost in, in, uh, Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, that, that should definitely help in the run game. Um, those guys aren't necessarily big pass rush guys, um, you know, but it definitely, you know, you can't pass rush unless you stop the run anyway. So right. that's a, definitely a great start for, for the D-line. Um, you know, but I, I do believe they need at least one more pass rusher in the inside mm-hmm. to be able to help Frank out. So what do you see in Rasheem Green, their draft choice out of Southern Cal, very talented mm-hmm. young player. Um, he can play inside and outside, it yeah. looks like, kind of a five-technique guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, can he come? Can he step in and help them immediately, you think? See, it's hard, right? It's it's hard. It's hard to say. Um, you know, even through through mini camp, through camp, it's hard to say uh, until guys actually get out there. You know, preseason, you, you'll get a glimpse of of what they can possibly do. Um, but you know, obviously, they see something in him. Uh, it's it's a mentality that that he's going to have to have to be able to come and play early. Um, but I I I think he has the potential for sure. It's just all about going out there and making it happen. But also. How quick can he actually learn the playbook? How quick can he, you know, grasp onto the system and and being able to just not think about it and just go play ball? Because that's usually what stops young players from being successful is picking up the playbook, knowing the playbook, and then just going out there and being able to play freely. What is your feeling about Ken Norton Jr. coming back and taking and, over the defense? I know he was he was well liked by a lot of you mm-hmm. guys. What do you think about him coming in? I think Kenny Norton is a, is a great, uh, first off, great guy, um, great coach, um, you know, and he's been in this, this system, the Coach Carroll system. He's been in that system for 15, 20 yeah. years, something crazy yeah. like that, you know, from college, from SC to now. So he knows the system, and then he also gets to get back with his, his own guys, Bobby Wagner, KJ, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he's back with those guys, and I think with those two where they're at right now compared to where they were when he left, uh, makes the defense that much better, much easier for him to be able to dictate and say what he wants, uh, to put those guys in the right positions to make the play. So I think that's a, a, it's a good pickup for the team. And again, like I said, he's been a part of the system for so long. Uh, it's just basically, you know, swap, swapping coaches out because yeah, the system stays the same. Exactly. It's going to be fun to see what happens. I know it's so respected, especially by KJ and by Bobby. They yes. love the guy. Oh, yeah. So that's got to help. A lot more to come here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. We're with Cliff Averill for the rest of this hour. We'll have some more Seahawk talk with him and other things. Keep your thoughts coming in on what is the next crazy thing LeVar Ball will say. A lot of great stuff on that. Stick with us at Sports Radio 950 KJR. 
this. Live in Seattle sports. And the greatest fans in the world. On Seattle's original diehard sports station. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. Hi everybody, Terry Blunt back with you. Joining me in the studio for the rest of this hour is Cliff Averill. His new show starts on Monday. Cliff and Puck with Jason Puckett every day from 10 to 1. We can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to read a couple of more. Uh, what is the next crazy thing? LeVar Ball says. Here's a good one. Uh, Lonzo will take the Spurs to the championship after the Lakers send him packing. Okay, there's that one. That could happen, by the way. Well, he could be traded. I don't think he's going to do the other. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, Lonzo announces a, uh, no, LeVar announces a new shoe contract, a combination shoe contract with LeBron called Le Big Baller with optional ego pump. All right. There you go. There's a good one. I, the first one's going to be hard to beat, though, Jackson. That's a. That, I that's haven't my found favorite. one better than that one yet. That's a. That's that's because they incorporate the hot dog. The hot dog thing is That's that is really awesome. So, Cliff, I want to ask you a little bit about. Uh, first of all, let me get to this question. We do have a question for Cliff on the text line from the two hundred six. I want to let get his thoughts on this as a Purdue guy. Uh, what are his thoughts on Purdue, Purdue football coach Jeff Brom leading the program? How long does he think? Coach Brown will be around. It's <laughs> a loaded question there. Yes, that is a loaded question. Um, I hope he's around for a long time. I think he can do some great things. Uh, you know, I've actually got to, to sit down and, and meet with him, and he, he he has a great plan ahead. You know, he he has um, you know he has some things lined up where where if they work out the way they're supposed to work out, the team is going to do some great things, and obviously that'll keep him around. So hopefully we can get back on track because uh, my, my Boilermakers have been in, in the hole. <laughs> uh, they haven't been doing well for, for oh, quite man, a long it time. Oh, man, it is tough it to is. compete in the Big Ten with yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, now Nebraska with their new coach from Central yeah, Florida yeah. coming in there. I mean, Michigan State's good. I mean, it's it's rough. Penn yeah, State. It is, it is, but but you know there was a time where Purdue was was competing in there somewhere, yeah. and we just need to get back. We just we need to be respected a little more, um, you know, because walking into a locker room with a bunch of Big Ten guys for me is very difficult <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to to be able to you know hold conversation with those guys. So hopefully we can get back on track. Well, speaking of college football, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this thought that we brought up earlier in the show that college football is talking about going to a nationally standardized injury report system mm-hmm. similar to what the NFL has where you announce, you know, start Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. and, you know, whether they're questionable, doubtful, whether they practiced or didn't practice. Right now, it's kind of a free-for-all, depending on the coach. You can do whatever you want. We even had a little fun with it and did a poll that Jackson got up that said, who is the most likely coach to either fudge on this or maybe not tell the truth? One of them we had was Mike Leach of Wazoo, Nick Saban of Alabama, Chris Peterson of UW, which we just put that up there because, you know, not many people are going to vote for him and uh the other one we had was of course jim harbaugh of Mm. michigan so that's the way the vote's going but i want to ask you first of all what are your thoughts on the nfl system the way they handle injuries during the week and the way they report it well i think i think it's good that that you know they're putting all that all that information out there because one you know obviously if you're a betting man (laughs) it makes a difference (laughs) but i also think you know for for players and their safety i think that's important because 
the teams can't hide that later on, you know, once you're done. I, yeah. that, from 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 that perspective, I think it's great. Um, when they're when they're able to to kind of hide and and say, you know, this player has whatever going on, and and later on after your career, and you try to bring it back up, you know, obviously they they won't they won't allow that. They won't, you know, they sure. don't have anything to to vouch for it. Um, so in college, I think the same thing because so many players are beat up, so many players are forced to play, but now you know they kind of. It's regulated in a sense, I guess. It makes it a little better for the players, I, I believe, because now they don't have to go out there Viking on a whole bunch of Viking and all yeah. this different stuff. People know they're actually hurt, you know. Sure. Um, so, so I think from from a player's perspective, I think it'd be good. So that's it's kind of a double edged sword with these kids because I understand it's different from a professional athlete, and these are still, you know, kids that are on scholarships and they have some rights about their health, about what you can or can't say. But as you brought up, it kind of would benefit them in some cases for them to go into the game and people to know that they have an injury, whereas if nothing was said all week and a guy has a terrible game and you didn't know that all week he had a badly sprained ankle or something like that, uh, it helps him in that case. I think it helps him, yes, for sure, from a media perspective, but also the biggest thing is, is again, after the fact. Because I know so many guys that played in college that one get addicted to you know some of these pain pills or mm-hmm. you know they leave college with a with a bad back now nobody and nobody's paying for nobody's it. helping or paying yeah. for it so now this is just a extra insurance um, and for for these kids because again you know so many guys are just leaving college with so many things wrong with them but then can't get any help afterwards. Was there ever a time in your career where you had? some type of injury uh, going into a week starting, you know, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you would have rather that no one knew before Sunday or, you know, something like that? Um, yes and no. Uh, and I say that because, you know, my coaches would take care of me, that, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, say, my back is tight or something like that. My coaches, fortunately, I got to the point where my coaches would take care of me and during the week meaning, you know, taking less reps and, and different things like that and just taking mental reps yep. and going into a game. So that that works out for me. But when you're a younger player, you try to hide all of it because the notion of being hurt or the notion of not being able to be out there for your team sometimes hurts you as you get older, you know. Um, so I think I think I, for me personally, I've never really had an issue, a situation like that, but I know some guys that do. Sure, no question about it. By the way, this vote – you guys got to keep voting because it's a dead tie right now. Uh, Jim Harbaugh at 34%, Nick Saban at 34%, Mike Leach at 29%, and Chris Peterson at only 3%. We really just wanted to know how low it would be on Chris Peterson. I actually thought there would be some Washington State fans who would just vote for Chris Peterson out of meanness, <laughs> but we know that Chris Peterson's about as straight arrow as they come, so only 3% there. But you guys got to keep voting because we got a tie right now between Harbaugh and Saba. Now I'll that's, put that's in my one, <laughs> I'll put in my two cents worth, and that is I know there's a lot of tons of Alabama haters. By the way, my brother went to Alabama, so uh, and is the most giant Alabama fan in history. He literally did this. He stood on the edge of the highway crying during Bear Bryant's funeral procession. Really? That's how big an Alabama fan he is. Okay, so anyway, that's a t- but oh, oh, Harbaugh's taking the lead here, which is good because I know that its a reputation is as much as people hate Saban, he has a reputation for being honest about his team's injuries. 
So right now, Harbaugh has taken the lead 35-33. Does he, should, though? Does I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know. should be noted, well, by the way. This, you this, know what? When you've got as many great players as Alabama yeah, has, what true. does it matter? But, uh, but here's the question, though. Speaking of Alabama, and I had this discussion not too long ago, they're, they play some great college ball. No doubt about that. But why most of the kids that get drafted in the first, second, whatever round it, none of them really do well in the NFL. That's a very good question. Because I, in personal opinion, I think all of them really, they just get beat up so much in college mm-hmm. that they're not able to take that next step. Because, so, again, that was always a conversation. And, and apparently his practices are just brutal. Oh, man. It, it's yeah. worse than NFL practices from my understanding. Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good point, though, is how many of those guys, and, and almost all those guys are, vast, are drafted in the first three rounds. Yeah, I mean, they're great players in college, but then when they get into the NFL, a lot, most of them don't really you know do well for whatever reason yeah yeah very cool so by the way the poll which i don't think we, we mentioned where it is uh the sports radio kjr on twitter jackson kjr on twitter so that's where the poll is located right now so keep voting we'll announce that later in the uh 12 o'clock hour cliff can't thank you enough man for Thanks coming for on me. for this hour remember you can hear cliff every day monday through friday yes. starting on monday with jason puckett the cliff and puck show every day 10 to 1 here on kjr it's going to be a lot of fun as you can tell Cliff has got some really interesting things to say (laughs) on a lot of subjects, and no one knows more about your Seahawks than Cliff Averill. Stick with us. We've got an hour to go today on Sports Radio 950 KJR.